turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Follow along as I read. I'm going to begin in verse 1, just to help us with the context. We've been in this section now for, today will be the third week, um, and we could spend several more in it, uh, especially as we think about our giftings and the calling God's give us to serve within the body through our spiritual gifts, but we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to kind of do a a helicopter, if you will, even a high-level flyover on it today. Um, so let's follow along, starting here in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each, excuse me, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended... What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask your blessing over not just the reading of your word, but Lord, over, over the teaching of it, the preaching of it, and Lord, then the, the application of it, God, as we um, ask you through your spirit to store this wood, plant, it de- plant this word deep in our hearts, Lord, um, and may it bear fruit. Lord, for the good of this church, for the, for the well-being of our community, and Lord, for your glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, are you a lion, an otter, a golden retriever, beaver? If you've had that personality test, then you'll recognize this maybe. Um, and, and you'll see yourself in these pictures or at least have heard of yourself from the talk of others. So are you, are you that take charge person, right? The one who's coming in and just taking control of things. Are you fun loving, enthusiastic? Are you the otter, you know, who just everybody loves to be around all the time? Maybe you're the golden retriever or the beagle, whatever, you know, you're just, you know, you're just so loyal. You're so dependable. You're the one who is a team player. You're considerate. Or maybe, and God bless you if you are, 
You are that person who is just so absolutely structured and organized and precise. You're, you're the beaver. I didn't know until this week that if you look at a class ring from somebody who graduated from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, they have a beaver on their class ring, okay? You engineer types, right? So, so there are ways to know whether or not you are one of these creatures, right? You can take a test, an instrument, to know that. Or you can just ask somebody who lives with you and knows you and loves you and is willing to speak the truth to you and say, yep, you're that one. You're that one. All right? So you can do it through this this test or you can do it through your community. That same thing is true with spiritual gifts, okay? I had not been a, a believer very long when we were at Lawndale Baptist Church there in Greensboro years and years ago. And I took part in a spiritual gifts instrument written by Peter Wagner at the Fuller Church Growth Institute in California. Um, and Reese and Bernie, you'll forgive me, but I'm telling you, it was as California as it could be. All right? It was 125 written questions, and it scared me to death. I was, I was a new believer. I heard of spiritual gifts, you know, but I had no idea exactly what they were. And so you answer these 125 questions, and all of a sudden, all of these gifts are listed there, all the way from service to celibacy, from prophecy all the way through to voluntary poverty. And I took that test, and I said, I have no desire at all for some of these things, really for most of them. I don't want anything to do with it. You can take tests like that to determine what your spiritual gifts are. Or you can ask somebody. You can be in a community of of people that love you and you love them. And as you live and as you serve, all of a sudden you see that God is in, 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 he's at work in your life, and he has equipped you and enabled you to do certain things or to, to serve in a certain way that others are blessed by that. They're encouraged by that. God is glorified through that. And I believe that's the model that, that's the model I think best fits um, where we need to take this text today. Now, as we think about these models, think about something for just a second. There are... There are, as I I posted something this week, there are a couple of different popular models of leadership, okay? And this is especially true in the church, unfortunately. There's the idea of someone being uh, an entertainer or performing, all right? There's, There's the performance model of leadership, as opposed to the equipping model of leadership that I believe we see in the New Testament, equipping and, and enabling others to, to, to grow and mature. Those models of leadership give birth to models of church membership. If the leadership is one of performance, then membership is one of being entertained. If, if the model of leadership is, is one of giving, standing up and just giving some kind of performance, then, then the model of, I think, membership that comes from that is, is that of being a spectator. And honestly, sometimes the very architecture of our buildings facilitate that, right? I'm up here, you're down there. You're looking up. And I'm looking down. In many ways, that's counterproductive 
to, to what we're trying to communicate. So I'll tell you what, I'm just going to step down here, okay? I'll just do that, all right? I've got all my sermon notes here. I've got my scripture passages in my notes here. I think we'll be okay. So there's a model of membership that says I'm a spectator. There's another model of membership that says I'm a servant, all right? I'm a servant. Now, those models of leadership and those models of, of membership then give birth to two different kinds of results, Okay? Lots of times if it's the entertainer up there, then all the glory and acclaim is going to him. But if we are servants, then what we were doing, are doing is for the sake of the one who has called us to serve, right? So all the glory goes to him. So those models, while our architecture may facilitate one or the other, those models of leadership are important. And what we see before us in this text today is all a picture of grace. All right, in Ephesians chapter 2, what did Paul write? It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, right? It's not anything that we've done. It's not of works so that none of us can boast. Jason can't say, I've earned this, all right? You can't say, I've done this, because it's all of grace. It's not by works so that none of us can boast. But there are works that we have been called to because then in verse 10, Paul tells us that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God determined beforehand that we should walk in them. So it is by grace that we are saved. It is by grace we are given works to do. And it is also by grace that we are enabled to do those works that he's called us to. It's all a picture of grace. So one dimension of this is kind of what Jonathan alluded to earlier in the book of Acts, all the way back in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus gives this commission in Acts, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says in Acts 1-8, and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, and then into the outer parts of the world, if you will. So there's an outward focus in the ministry that we've been called to, right? We're called to go into all nations and make disciples. But there's also an inward focus into the works that he's given us to do. And this inward dimension, as we have seen in the book of Ephesians here in chapter 4, is for the building up of the body of Christ till we reach maturity. The word that Paul uses is telos, perfection. Not perfection in the sense of without flaw, but perfection in the sense of doing what we were created to do. I really so much appreciated Jason's message last week. And one thing that stood out was to, the, to me from that message, I don't know if you remember this, was that Jesus is our model of humanity. To sin is not human. To sin is the flesh. Jesus is our model of humanity. All right? And God is recreating humanity in Christ, one new man, so that in the new heavens and the new earth, it will be populated by that new humanity of whom Jesus is the head. Okay? So that's the picture that we have here. And so today's passage, I think, helps us understand the responsibility that we have within the body of Christ and how God has equipped us to do that responsibility. And here's the deal. Here's, here's the bottom line in all of this. You, if you are in Christ today, are gifted. The Holy Spirit has given you the ability, the abilities, if you will, plural sometimes, to serve within the body of Christ. And here within the body of Christ is where you will discover what it is that God has called you and equipped you to do. 
It's where you will be, you'll receive joy from that, and, and the church will receive good from that. And we will grow together in that. It's here within the body of Christ that that's understood and discovered. So, I'm not going to go back over it, but look again, starting in verse 13. This is what Jason, I think, did such a good job last week of talking about. I want us to think about the goal first, all right? Before we talk about how this happens, what is the goal? And the goal for which all of this is moving forward is that the whole body obtain or attain, grow to gospel unity and Christ-like maturity. That's the goal. Unity in the gospel, maturity in Christ. And I so much appreciated what Jason talked about last week, the progression that we're equipped to that end, that we do the work of the ministry for the benefit of the others. The picture of that maturity is Christ himself, Christ likeness. That's the model that's given before us. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, King James says, to the perfect man. The perfect man. To be what we were created to be. That's, that's the idea there. So there's this, this picture of this maturity. What's the purpose of it? Well, we, we see that. There will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. The, the metaphors there are this picture of a ship tossed on the ocean and this wind that's just blowing back and forth, going in all kinds of different directions. The purpose of this is maturity. There will no longer be children. The purpose of this is stability, all right? That we won't be captivated by the next crazy-looking preacher that comes along or the biggest smile or the one wearing the cross or the one quoting the Bible even. That we won't be captivated by those and drawn off in that direction. That there won't be gullibility among the people of God. That we swallow everything hook, line, and sinker. That there'll be some discernment there. So maturity, stability, no gullibility. And then there's this idea that there'll be compassionate clarity coming from the body of Christ by the individual members of that body. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Lots of times I have heard this used in the context of church discipline or saying hard things to people. Well, we just need to speak the truth in love. Well, that's true. But sometimes it's just speaking the word of God in an encouraging way into other people's lives, right? It's just speaking God's word into someone's life so that they're built up and encouraged. Yeah, sometimes it's hard things, but lots of times it's just a pat on the back that comes from God's word. Speaking the truth in love so that we will grow up into Christ, into that perfect, mature, God's intended person. That's the goal, okay? That's the goal. Who's the giver of all of this? Look at what it says in verse 7. Grace was given, to, but, I skipped but, and I should never skip a but. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, why would I say we should not skip that there? Because that's important because it recognizes for us that there's a change in this passage. Something's different, okay? We've been talking about unity. Now we're going to talk about diversity, differences. But those differences are a part of that unity, okay? So, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Jason completely skipped this this week, you weenie. He's preaching over there. Because this, there's all kinds of discussions about what it is that Paul is saying here. Especially this part about descending and ascending. So I'm not going to take a lot of time with that either, all right? It's not because I'm a weenie. I just, there's other things I want to emphasize here, all right? Yeah, right, right. I know, I know, I know, all right? We'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. No, I am. We're coming back to it, I promise. Here's the point, the giver. Well, it says that Christ is the one who gives, but given the context of all that we've seen so far, we need to recognize this is the triune God. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that are involved in this equipping and gifting to the church, okay? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses, so God is the one who sovereignly arranged. It's God who in the very beginning of Ephesians called us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So God the Father is at work in this equipping in giving us these gifts. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In verse 11 he says, all of these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So God gives them. The Holy Spirit gives and equips. And here it says that Christ was the one who ascended and led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. This comes from Psalm 68. I read Psalm 68 this morning. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm of victory. It's a psalm of compassion. It's a psalm of, of God taking care of the widows and taking care of those who, who are in need of care. And the passage that Paul refers to here in Psalm 68 refers to this picture of a conquering hero returning to Mount Zion. And in his wake, behind him, come all of these captives that he's defeated. And Psalm 68 says that as he is ascending to Mount Zion, he's being given gifts. Here it says that Christ is the one who's ascending, and he is receiving, excuse me, he is, he is giving gifts. Psalm 68 says that God is receiving gifts. I got that backwards, I think. God is the one receiving gifts in Psalm 68. Here Paul says Christ is the one ascending and he's giving gifts. So there's all kinds of debate and discussion about, well, why, why would he change that? And I think the general understanding is that the Apostle Paul is looking at the big picture of the ministry of Christ, the incarnation, coming to earth, leaving the glory of heaven and coming to earth, and then in his ascension going back to earth, and all that he sees going on in the early church there in the book of Acts. And it's a picture of Jesus, conquering king and hero that he is, distributing gifts. And so this is the picture of Jesus. And it says here that he's risen, he's ascended, he's the victor over sin, these captives that he brings in his wake. Now, I think a lot of what my understanding of what it means here in descent, and I understand what the Apostles', the Apostles Creed says, I do not believe Jesus descended into hell. That's not my personal belief. I don't believe Jesus descended. And I think here where the Apostle Paul speaks about Jesus descending, where he speaks about Jesus coming down, if you will, descending to the lower regions of the earth, 
My understanding of this is based partially on Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul says in Philippians 2.5, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. And Paul says, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Jesus left the glory of heaven, and yes, he descended to the lower regions of the earth, this broken, dark, hurting world. Gave his life for rebel sinners like you and me. And then was raised from the dead and ascended back up into heaven. I think that's what this refers to. That's, we can talk about that if you want to have another discussion about it. I'm, I'm all in for that if you want to talk about that. I think his descent and ascension, though, is the picture of his incarnation. And then of him being glorified back into heaven. And as he goes back into heaven through the work of his Holy Spirit, he then distributes this ability, this, this, this gift, if you will, that we have of serving. And it says, grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is the measure of Christ's gift? I think it's the same measure of his love, which is higher and deeper and broader and wider than any of us can even. It's the picture of Jesus' generosity. He's not stingy. He's not holding back. He's not thinking how much he can keep for himself. It's, that's the measure of his gift. And that's the giver. Now what about the gifts? Look at verse 7. Grace was given to each one. Then down in verse 11 it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So again, there's this change of direction there in verse 7. This diversity of gifts, abilities, diversity of function. Here's the deal, I think. God gives gifted individuals to the church. And God gives individual gifts to every member of the church. And both of these are highlighted in this passage. One of the generous gifts that Jesus gives his church one of the generous gifts that he gives his bride is these gifted individuals. And in Paul list here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. And again, we, we hold, I believe, and I think Jason touched on this last week, shepherds and teachers is, is equivocal, I think, to our elders. It's that single term of someone who shepherds and teaches together. The Greek language supports this. So he gives these gifted individuals. Some of these individuals are provisional. Provisional. What I mean by that is apostles and prophets were given for a specific period of time in the specific error of the church, if you will. These apostles and prophets, I believe, are given to that early church. Now, there is still a prophetic gift in the sense of foretelling, forthtelling, speaking out the word of God. But there are no modern apostles. I don't, I don't understand that the New Testament teaches that. The apostles are, are provisional for that period of time. Some are provisional, some are permanent. Evangelists are, are permanent till the Lord Jesus returns. Pastors and teachers, they have ongoing ministries. Some of these are itinerant, right? The apostles and prophets traveled around. Evangelists, if you will, travel. They go here and there, like, like a Billy Graham, if you will. But then there are also those shepherds and teachers who are not itinerant or shouldn't be. They're, they're right there 
right there in the middle of that particular body of believers. They're indigenous is the way one person put it, which is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, he says to elders. So there's this different picture here of gifted individuals. And what is our responsibility? What is the responsibility of those that are called to do that? It is to equip. It is to enable. It is to teach. It is to shepherd. So that the sheep then, so that the members of the body, so that all who are part of that body can do the work of the ministry. That's, that's the point of this. And how is it that you are called, we are called together to do this work? Well, we do it through the gifting, the ability that God gives us, and that's what we call spiritual gifts. Now, there's all kinds of definitions for spiritual gifts. Wayne Grudem, in his systematic theology book, says a spiritual gift is an ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used for any ministry in the church. An ability given by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry within the church. So I kind of thought about that a little bit, and just based on what we see here in the passage, I expanded it just a little bit. Spiritual gifts are special abilities given by God to every individual Christian for the purpose of building up the church by growing us up in Christ to final maturity through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and the good of God's people. So it's a spirit-empowered capacity. It can be a part of your natural gifting. It can be, if you're just an encourager, because that's your personality, then that can be a spiritual gift in one sense. All right? In some ways, it's very special. In some ways, it's something that God gives us when we're saved. In other ways, it's, it's one, it's an ability and it's a skill that God's given us that he uses within the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ and give him glory. Gar, Gar DeHogue, one of our guys who was an elder, a mechanic here, you know, he and I used to laugh about it. Is, is being a mechanic a spiritual gift? Well, I can tell you one thing. This body was built up and encouraged by the way Gar used his abilities as a mechanic, right? We, a lot of us amen that, don't we? Yeah. Now, there's a lot of good mechanics out there who, well, they're not a believer, and they're not using that gift to build up, if you will, their local congregation that they're a part of. I just use that as an example. Let me give you a personal example from me. All right. Here's one that I discovered pretty early in my walk with Christ. My family has been always been a singing family. My mother sang. Me and my sister sang. My dad said he couldn't. And that's true. He really couldn't. But all the rest of us sang. So I, I sang from the time I talked. But it wasn't until after I came to faith in Christ, and, and I remember this real clearly from a particular conference I was at, where I was asked to sing, you know, with this mass choir thing that was going on there. And, and people came up afterwards, and my pastor helped me understand this. I was blessed by hearing you. I was encouraged by hearing you. Now, there's a lot of people who can sing. But are we actually blessed and encouraged and built up in our faith from every person who can carry a tune? No. It's, it's the Spirit of God taking that ability or that gift. All right. Now, some of you, maybe you've never sung, and when you come to faith in Christ, all of a sudden you sing like a bird. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's rare, I think. Okay? That's rare. Here's the difference, though, that your noise that you're making through the power of the Holy Spirit and glorifying God is encouraging the body of Christ. All right? It is. That's, that's how that works. So a spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered capacity 
to serve within the body of Christ for the good of that body and for the glory of God. One writer said this, gifts are not merely material objects or personality traits, but rather, listen to this, they are Christ's sharing of himself. So Christ shares himself through the individual members of the body. Just listen to a couple of other passages that help us kind of get a bigger picture of this. Paul says this in Romans 12, starting in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And he begins to list some of them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right. So Paul lists a few of them there in the book of Romans. And he says, if this is your gift, use it, serve with it, exercise it. First Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. I'm reading in verse 12. And though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. All right. One body. And then he goes on. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Many members, many parts, and all of us belong together, and all of us in one sense have the same goal, but we have different functions, right? Different responsibilities, different abilities within the body of Christ. Here's what Peter said. Above all, I hear, I hear 1 Corinthians 13 as I read this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's, that's the picture. That's the goal. Okay? So these spiritual gifts... These abilities that God has given us that Paul lays out for us here in, first, in, in Ephesians 4 is just the gift of Jesus through the work of his Holy Spirit in the life of every single believer. That's, that's the picture. And it's for the use within that body of Christ where he has placed us for his glory and for the building up of that body that we all reach maturity. And he says here that the whole body is joined and held together by every joint. One of the application points that I have, in fact, let's just look at those applications. Let's, let's finish up with this, all right? One of those is thankfulness, first off. Just our Jesus is a conquering king who in his ascent back up into heaven and even as he rules and reigns and intercedes for us there is taking care of his church. He is giving us what we need. And, and what we need has two feet. It has two arms most of the time. You know, we have a body. What we need is sitting beside you on the pew. You are a gift. All right? We are gifts from Christ to his church. All right? It's important we recognize that. And so we can be thankful for the gifts that God has given us. You know, one of the things that um, we, we, have, um, we have three of our families that are getting ready to pack up and move to Colorado. 
um, this week. All right. Some of it, you know, I think we've talked about that a little bit. Rich and Kathy Nobles are leaving. Um, the Lewilliers are leaving. And we normally don't say a whole lot about that, and I'm not going to say a whole lot about it today. But one of the things that's important for us to recognize, because Hebrews, Hebrews tells us that we are to spur one another on as we gather together. And one of the ways that we spur one another on to love and good works is simply by the example that we set. All right? And so here's what I want to say. You can come into this church. And you can sit metaphorically, okay? I'm not saying this to slam anybody that's on the back row, all right? Don't take this away. I'm not, this is not my point. But, but you can come in and stay on the perimeter. Stay on the edge. Stay outside. And chances are pretty good that sooner or later you'll go, I, you know, nobody reached out to me. I didn't really get connected to anybody there. You know, I just feel like I need to go find something someplace else. And it is, it is through community and getting into the community and plugging in and loving and serving and being loved and being served that all of this dynamic that we see in Ephesians begins to unfold and lay out before us that way. And I just really appreciate the way that these families, Richard and Kathy, Art and Deb, Eric and Shell, they've been in this church all um, for around five years. And, man, it's like it's almost like you've been here for a long time. And and here's what I was thinking about. A few years ago, we lost a dear saint, dear brother, Mike Schultz. Mike was Mr. Westwood in so many ways. Some of you know, knew Mike. He was he was here when I came and Mike just seemed to do everything, you know, and when the Lord took Mike out of here, the question I heard more than anything is, oh, what in the world are we going to do? I'm serious. I'm serious. You know, what are we going to do? Mike did those things for us. Well, other Mikes showed up. You know, they were just raised up. All right. Now, I say that just because uh, the Lewilliers and the Nobles are like Mike. OK, be like Mike. <laughs> I mean, they just stepped in and served in so many ways and we will miss them. But do not despair, church, because as God moves people around and moves them to a church, don't dawdle around, nobles and Lewilliers. When you get to Colorado, you find that church that God is calling you to get plugged in and served. Don't waste any time. All right? Find a church before you find a grocery store because that spiritual food is more important. Get plugged in and do there what you did here. And then for the rest of us, get plugged in and do what they did here. All right? Just, just follow that example. It's, it's so encouraging. So we're thankful for, for those kinds of gifts to the church. So thankfulness. Number two, you are gifted, church. You are gifted. And your gifts are needed here. And I don't know what they are. Jason and I were talking about that this week. Here's one thing I can say to you with absolute certainty. Here is God's will for your life. You listening? This is God's will for your life, that you grow up in Christ and that you come along beside other brothers and sisters in Christ to help them grow up in Christ. All right. Take it to the bank. That is God's will for you, that you pursue maturity in him and that you serve in ministry and participate here at Westwood to assist others in growing up. That's what he has called us to do. Absolute certainty. That's that's what he's called us to do. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, and those good works revolve around growing up in Christ and helping the body of Christ grow up that way too. All right? 
So you are gifted. You are needed because of that. All right? You are needed. I don't know every way that God has gifted us through us. But praise God as we, as we through the power of the Spirit, live together and serve together, we'll begin to see a whole new dimension, perhaps, of how God wants to just do a work here. All right? You are needed. You are needy also. You are needy. It is a lie from the enemy and a cultural reality that is not a spiritual reality that says you can do it alone. You can go it on your own. I don't need those folks down there. Yes, you do. I have needy fingers. I have needy toes. I have a needy heart and lungs. I have a needy gut. I have needy parts of my body that need each other. And I need my head more than anything. And we need Christ as our head. And all those other body parts, we are so intricately related. And that's what Paul says there, that we are joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped so that each part working properly makes the body grow. We need each other in that regard, all right? Go out there in the lobby when we get finished and take a few minutes and and look around and just, those are some ideas. There's some opportunities there. But you know what? You may look around that room and you may see those different areas of ministry and service and you you go, you know, I wonder why they don't do this here or why they don't do that there. You know, I feel like God's, you know, I've seen this. I was doing this before at my other church. And, well, say something, okay? Do do something. Now, Chip and Becky found out what happens when you ask for a cup of coffee. You get put in charge of the coffee ministry, okay? All right? Praise the Lord. Don't be afraid to ask. But somehow that's how those things work. Let me finish with this, okay? Let me just finish with this. Saving grace comes before serving grace. And if you've never trusted in Christ, there's nothing you can do here. Really. I mean, you can paint. You can do some things maybe around. And I'm not saying don't step up. I'm just saying saving grace comes before serving grace. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. And if you've never placed your faith and your trust in Christ, I want to encourage you today to come to him. This picture of a conquering king going back and ascending back to his place of glory that we see in Psalm 68 is the same picture of Jesus who came to earth from heaven, served and died a sinner's death, was buried, raised and ascended back up to heaven. He did that for lost sinners like you and me. Put your faith and your trust in him. And then you will begin to see God at work as you get as you walk with Christ and get plugged into his church, the fullness of his grace and the freedom that comes in his forgiveness and the community that comes around the body of Christ, you're going to see a whole new dimension to life that outside of Christ is impossible. It's impossible. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you today for your word. It is, you tell us, a sword that's sharp and it cuts deep And it does the spiritual surgery, Lord, that each of us need. And I thank you for that. 
Father, I thank you for this picture that you've given us today of a body, different parts, different functions, doing different things, but all, Lord, for the glory of the one who made us and all for the good of that body, to build us up in maturity, Lord, to grow us up into Christ our head. And so, Father, I pray for that today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life. And I pray that you'll raise up within this church, Lord, right here, this local church. Lord, the parts of the body that are ready and willing to do just that, to serve and to lay down our lives for each other, God. What a beautiful gift that is. Father, we do thank you for the gifts that you've given us in the families that are part of this church. And we do pray this, this morning, Lord, um, for the Lewiliers and for the nobles. As they pack up and move, Lord, we pray for you to give them clarity and to quickly, Lord, show them that local body out there that they're to plug into and serve. Lord, bless your church there the same way you have blessed us here. So, Lord, help them, I pray, to, to, to find that place quickly. And, Lord, we just pray for your provision and protection over them as they travel and all that needs to go into to moving the way that they are. Lord, thank you for the gift you gave us in them. And thank you for the gifts that are seated on these pews and are a part of this church family already, God. How gracious and good you are. And we thank you for that. So, Lord, use us the way you choose to. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.